You're listening to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. It's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. And welcome back to the microphone. We're in the book of Psalms, and we've been doing the David Psalms. I thought we'd reintroduce why we're doing that, and then okay. we'll get moving on the psalm for today, which will be Psalm 70. Well, I think initially we just wanted to read some of the psalms because we've been impacted personally by many of them over the years. But once we got into reading Psalm 18, which was the first one that we did, we realize it's a psalm of David, and David is famous for having written many of the psalms. In fact, half of them. Also, David is famous, if you will, for being so transparent and honest yeah. in his writing that we decided this is a good way to remind us that this is how we can live in our relationship with the Lord and with worship and with each other, just being honest and transparent and crying out to God the way David does. And if God was honest saying to us, David is the guy that really is after my heart, it seems like God's saying, do it this way. Mm -hmm. He's not saying David's special in that regard or that he is somehow exalted above the rest of humanity. David was set before us as an example of what it means to worship, live a worshipful life. It's not mean by any means that he was a perfect person. In fact, we know quite literally in the scriptures he failed miserably mm -hmm. in so many areas of fatherhood, leadership, morality, and somehow kept capturing God's heart because he was so honest. I think it's because God truly respects and desires honesty from his people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He desires us to be real with him. I think that's more important to him. So we're going to start with Psalm 70, and it's one of those imprecatory psalms where he's saying, God, take it out on the bad guys for me because they're out to get me. But at the same time, for those who pursue you, give them everything they need. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of attitude in these psalms. And it's a very short psalm, so it's only going to be a one-program deal. But go ahead and read from the voice translation like we've been reading quite often from. All right. Psalm 70. For the worship leader, a song of David for remembering. O oh God, hurry to save me, eternal one, hurry to my side. For those who seek to kill me, God, may they burn in disgrace and humiliation, repulse the attacks, ridicule the efforts of those taking pleasure in my pain. I hear their taunts, nah, nah, nah. Let those hecklers fall back upon their brays, ashamed and confused. But let those who pursue you celebrate and have joy because of you. And let the song of those who love your saving grace never cease. God is great, but I am poor and in serious need. So hurry to my side, God, because you are my helper, my liberator, eternal one. Please don't wait. Hurry up, don't wait. Mm-hmm. Imagine David performing this thing as a piece of music. Like the previous psalm that we read before, Psalm 18, David is crying to God for help. He is calling out in a time of distress. This is like the beforehand time. Psalm mm. 18 was after God had shown up in ways that were just spectacular, according to David's writing. This one is one where David is saying, okay, I need you to show up, God, and I need you to come right now and rescue me, be my redeemer. It's only five verses long. It's one of the shortest chapters in the entire Bible. Why it would be an entire song into itself, I don't know, but it must have had probably a very ringing earworm music to it, where it was <laughs> sung on the streets by people. There's something about the way David approaches things where, like, if you don't need to say any more about it, just say what you got to say and get done with it. I think what I like about David's approach to prayer in the Psalms we're reading 
is that he just gets right to the point. Yeah, he does. You know, God, hurry up and save me. Come to my side. It's urgent, and I need you to show up, and I need you to take care of the people that are persecuting me. I need you to take care of business, to burn them in disgrace. He's saying in humiliation and just get rid of them. Those hecklers, let them be ashamed. Let them fall back on their own jeers and their own barbs. Let them be the ones who are torn up by this. And everyone who suffers from this kind of persecution, let them be rescued. And David is calling out on behalf of others as well in this. He's like, let those who pursue you celebrate and have joy because of yeah. you, because you've shown up and rescued them. I'm going to read it again from the message, which is another take on the emotional language here. Mm-hmm. These, again, are both translations, and they have a lot of variety in them, which tells you that the language itself is very flexible. The power of it, again, I think, is in delivering to God on a platter everything you're really feeling. Mm-hmm. This is the way the message reads it. God, please hurry to my rescue. God, come quickly to my side. Those who are out to get me, let them fall all over themselves. Those who relish my downfall, send them down a blind alley. Give them a taste of their own medicine. Those gossips off clucking their tongues. Let those on the hunt for you sing and celebrate. Mm. Let all who love your saving way say over and over, God is mighty. But I've lost it. Mm. I'm wasted. God, quickly, quickly. Quick to my side, quick to my rescue. God, don't lose a minute. Hmm. Same words, translators have the power of poetry mm-hmm. within them and the Spirit of God within them to make the words of David's prayer come alive in our language. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about the variety of ways I've seen translators approach these psalms. Mm-hmm. They are poetry. They are full of power because they're true. Mm-hmm. But also, they're not just true objectively. They're true of what David, the writer, was going through. Mm -hmm. He's not holding back from what he wants God to know about him and what he wants us to know about what he told God. Yeah. Don't you feel like that reading these Psalms gives us some level of permission to approach God with our raw feelings, with our heart open and laid bare, and the desperation that we feel? I would say the Psalms are definitely on the side of those who innately sense that being honest is the only real way to go about this, that living a lie or trying to cover up what you're really feeling is always a dead end, Mm -hmm. but may have never thought from the organized religion around them that it's permissible. I think I kind of grew up that way because I was taught maybe not overtly that everything's going to be fine. You're supposed to be okay. You shouldn't get angry. It's not godly to be angry. It's not godly to rage against things or to even be fearful. Fear is from the devil. So you have to just reject it or speak against it, pray against it, you know, these kind of things. Reading the Psalms tells me a different story about that. Reading the Psalms tells me that God wants to hear the truth from you. God wants to hear exactly what you're feeling, anger, fear, joy, exultation, lament, all of those things. When you say God wants to hear the truth from us, we're not saying together here that we have a bead on the truth and what we tell God will always be correct. But we have to be truthful in what we actually feel Mm -hmm. and give God then room to inform us, Mm -hmm. to respond to it. Because this is a conversation, supposedly. Prayer is supposed to be about engaging God Mm -hmm. on the level of language and meaning. Mm -hmm. So as we pray to Him and we never let Him speak back to us, it's nothing but a monologue from the stage. I do believe there is a stage of worship where there's a concert going on, spiritually speaking, where there's antiphonal phrases back and forth to each other, like choirs and orchestras complement each other, and God's part of that choir. 
Hmm. He sings too with us. Yeah. But those are well written things. Sometimes extemporaneous poetry just spills out of you. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like in an ancient Israelite kind of way, Dave is up there doing a rap jam. You know, he's, <laughs> he's just spouting it off and yeah. making life rhyme as he goes along. But yeah. man, there's nothing missing from this story. I think there's something about God's appreciation for the art of being human that he really loves. Mm. He's glad he created us. Yeah. Well, Scripture tells us that he knows our frame. Mm-hmm. He knows intimately everything about us. And the frame means that he knows the stuff we're made of. Right. He made us, so he knows what we're made of. And so I think it's important that we realize that, that we acknowledge that in a way that not only brings honor and glory to God that he created us, but that he is aware of us. And like we talked about in Psalm 18, I see that again here in Psalm 70, that God is listening. God is hearing from David. It doesn't specifically say that in here because David's just crying out. But just the fact that it's included in the book to me is a good indication that God showed up, God heard him, and he wasn't delaying his arrival. There is an implication here that we're not wasting our time by Mm -hmm. calling out to God. Yeah. There's got to be at least a little bit of faith in us to say, even if we don't get it or understand why he would even want to listen, Mm. that the word of God seemed to tell me that he is in fact listening if I come before him with an honest and contrite heart. Mm -hmm. I'm not puffing myself up. I really do want to know what God is going to do about things. Mm -hmm. And I'm really actually experiencing things that are difficult or troubling or challenging. And I'm not shying away from that truth. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. We have a very special giving opportunity to the church in Ukraine, and I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com or call our toll-free order line 1-800-868-2478 Our mailing address is Compassion Radio P.O. Box 2770 Orange, California 92859 Reach out to us whatever way works for you And now, back to our discussion got to be at least a little bit of faith in us to say, even if we don't get it or understand why he would even want to listen, mm. that the Word of God seemed to tell me that he is in fact listening if I come before him with an honest and contrite heart. Mm-hmm. I'm not puffing myself up. I really do want to know what God is going to do about things. Mm-hmm. And I'm really actually experiencing things that are difficult or troubling or challenging. Yeah. And I'm not shying away from that truth. Mm. I may be wrong in my assumptions. I may be wrong in my read of the situation, but I'm not wrong in coming to him. God can then straighten us out on the facts. We are able to respond to him setting us straight because we have a relationship and believe that he wants to know us. In the New Testament, if anyone's going to come to God and actually hear him, they've got to believe he's there and that he's actually earnestly willing and eager to speak to us. Mm -hmm. If we don't believe that, then whatever comes at us, we're going to hear is nothing but some other reason or other cause, some other accidental thing. No, that really could have been God talking because I really don't believe he's there anyway. Somebody who thinks that way, why even bother to pray anyway? If you really are truly committed to Mm -hmm. a non-answering, non-existing God, then why bother? Mm -hmm. Are you just trying to mock us or mock those who have faith? Or is there something that you're still unsettled about? 
I've heard plenty of prayers in my life from people who pray the right prayers, the prayers that expect God to speak, but they don't really believe he's going to speak. But there's still that agnosticism in them that they kind of hope he does. You know, I've been there too, where I really didn't know if God could or would answer the kind of prayer I'm asking, but I didn't know what else to do. I'm just at my rope's end about how to approach something and who else are you going to fall back to but somebody who might be there, Mm -hmm. at least that. So you're not saying that God has to answer every prayer as we want him to answer it. Oh, of course not. I'm, I'm not even convinced that God is required to even answer any prayers. Mm-hmm. And yet there seems to be abundant evidence throughout Scripture and our own experience that God, in fact, does. Right. It seems a little capricious at times because it doesn't seem like he answered the one I really wanted him to answer, but he chose to not to. Other times it seems like he jumped in and started messing around in my life in ways that I wasn't even expecting. When I prayed a prayer, I was like, well, I really didn't mean for you quite that <laughs> deep, Lord. But nonetheless, you seem to have taken that one really seriously. Mm-hmm. Probably because God actually responds to ones that are truly honest in our intent, that we really believe what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Why would he listen to us and want to respond to us if he knows that we're lying to ourselves, much less to him? Right. I think if he really sees us believing what we're saying, even if we're wrong, that's a compelling thing to engage with. I think it's safe, too, to wonder, are we really ready for what God might say to us if he engages the thing that we were wrong about in the first mm. place? Are we willing to respect it, too, if God actually speaks to us either directly through some kind of warming of our heart and understanding and insight that we didn't expect to have, or whether he answers us by sending somebody who has a word for us that doesn't even know why they're speaking to us, but just felt compelled to come talk with us mm-hmm. because God laid something on their heart. This reminds me of the training that we went through with transformational prayer, learning to name things for what they are and mm-hmm. learning to call out an in-truth or a lie-based belief that we are holding on to. And when we engage with God through prayer and open our hearts in an honest way and just acknowledge those things before Him, He's able then to maneuver more in our life, I think. When we open ourselves up, He's able to do the kind of work in us that brings about transformation and reveals lie-based beliefs that we can discard. Praying honestly, as David does. I mean, David is praying here that God will repulse the attacks, ridicule the efforts of those taking pleasure in my pain. And and he's asking God to tear some people up, basically. Yeah, put you a smackdown on the a bad smackdown. guys. Yeah. And don't you think that we do that in our own minds and our hearts a lot of times, but we're afraid to pray that way? And mm. not that I necessarily want God to harm another person because I don't, and I don't think that's what God's about in that sense. But there are real enemies that we wrestle with in our lives, whether it's imagined enemies or real enemies. Allowing for that honest prayer, I think we're allowing God to maneuver a little bit better, do some work, because we're open to it. We've heard it said in different ways that 100% of the prayers you don't pray will be answered with a no. They can't get a yes if you never ask the prayer or speak it. On the other hand, I think when we are really thinking something, especially intense, let's say it's a negative thing about somebody that really, really got to us. We're angry or we're feeling hateful or resentful about something. And we don't speak it to God. In fact, we think he doesn't want to know about this, but we're speaking it to ourselves loudly in our heads. Who are we really praying to? Because if it doesn't go to God in real prayer, we're saying, God, take care of this. Do it your way take care of it with your set of rules and values and ethics. If we don't do that, we're really only appealing to ourselves. And what resources do we have to really address it? We're kind of like in a downward spiral at that point. Right. And we're worshiping ourselves by not really praying, I think, because Mm. those intense thoughts have to go somewhere. And like acid on our skin, those kind of feelings in our souls are corrosive. 
Mm-hmm. There's something about just the venting alone of saying, God, take care of this your way. David is, in fact, giving God some advice. <laughs> yeah. He's not shying away from saying what he would want God to do about this. But he is being honest with himself as much as he's being honest to God. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot to be said for just getting it out on the table. If we're going to throw a lot of bile out there and be messy about it, at least we'll have seen it. And God will have too. And both of us can agree that, hey, this is a messy situation. Mm-hmm. So now what? Yeah. Well, it leaves God room in our lives to do what he wants to do, which he's going to do anyway. God does what he pleases. Yeah. But I think it pleases him to respond to us. Just like it pleases us to respond to our children when they request something of us, mm-hmm. when they come and say, you know, make this right. There's someone being mean to me. Mom, go out there and tell them what for. I want to get them in trouble. And when our kids are that way and they're honest to us about it, as a parent, you're like, I want to help them because they're in distress here. And I'm going to have to calm this situation down. No, I'm not going to go beat somebody up. Or I'm not going to go, you know, throw someone out of the house or whatever like that. But I am going to look at the situation because they're in such distress. And sometimes, oftentimes, we say things out of our distress that maybe we don't really mean, but we kind of mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> and probably the worst kind of prayers ones we have mean. Yeah. I think a good example of us approaching God honestly but not necessarily with a full understanding of what God might be trying to communicate to us. As a parent, your kids are needing of guidance and discipline, especially when they're little, right? And I recall a time when you and I were dealing with one of our children who was still like a toddler, wasn't even beyond that stage yet, but had gotten so annoyed with another kid that got up in her business that just shoved him back and got him off of her. Mm -hmm. Our first response was, no, no, that's bad. In her frame of reference at that point, she was thinking about how bad it was this boy, this kid about her size, would not leave her alone. Mm -hmm. And so in her mind, the only thing that was on her mind was how bad that was. And so we said, oh, honey, that's bad. He said, that's right. He bad. She's right at that point. But it wasn't the frame of reference that I had Mm -hmm. at that moment. And so we were trying to work her through what she says is bad about his behavior is true. We still have to figure out how to respond to it in a way that is more like God's nature than our own. I always remember that interlude with our kid because it taught me something about perspective Mm. in that I really wasn't thinking about how she was feeling or that her feelings might actually be correct and right about the kind of annoyance and imposition that this person was being on her and would not respect her wishes. Yeah, yeah. So she took business into her own hands and (laughs) took him down. And then we had to learn through that that you don't just throw kids down because you're angry. This is real life. And how often are we like that as adults, but spiritually in the same position where we're reacting, we're not even responding. We're just, boom, it's there. And we could not not do this thing. And then our father comes along and has to be gentle with us sometimes. Well, you're right. This was bad news for you. And these people really are oppressing you. But, you know, let's talk about this. Let's work it through. Let's not just go put the smack on them and make grease marks on the sidewalk out of them. (laughs) God is loving of those people that do us wrong, too. But he also has a plan that probably is way beyond what we can even comprehend. Even if we're right Mm -hmm. about the sin of others. Well, the last thing I'd ask you, honey, is what do you make of these imprecations that David keeps throwing in there? It seemed a little violent, you know, that David is a man of war as much as anything else. In New Testament thinking, we should be a whole lot more tolerant and more forgiving. Jesus Mm -hmm. kind of gave us a different way of approaching most of our rage and applications of anger, which would be destructive. But David does not shy back from saying, God, do something, put them to shame, knock them out, Mm -hmm. take them out. Mm -hmm. 
What do you make of that now? It just reminds me that God is able to handle all of that emotion. Mm-hmm. Just because we live in the New Testament times now, because we are post-New Testament or whatever you would call that, and Jesus was a great example of being a peacemaker, bringing peace to situations and healing, he also had a side that was justice-minded. He didn't stand up for himself in those ways. Like before Pilate, he was silent and he he didn't fight for his own life in that sense. He fought for others. He was moved by the injustice that was being done to others and it and it upset him. It made him angry and it also made him grieve. But I think as a human being, we are created with all of these emotions. To say that that emotion is bad and to repress that in yourself... Repress is probably a good word to use. ...is not healthy. Mm. Now, we have to be careful in our expression of those emotions, of that anger, of all those kind of rages that we feel. And honestly, I'm just going to say this, if you feel rage inside of you please see a counselor, please find mm. someone that you can talk through about those things because it's not healthy for you to, to carry rage mm. inside of your body. Not healthy emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, yeah. anyway. It can be a real threat to our very lives. Yeah. But I think God is not afraid of that. God mm. does not shy away from those emotions because He created those things in us as human beings. He created who we are and what we are and how we respond to things. So I think my take on this is just that. God is strong enough, big enough to handle it, to guide us through it. David is the perfect example of us as well. He's a template for the Messiah to come. But I think the biggest difference between David and you and I versus Jesus is simply that I know that Jesus was absolutely secure in every moment that Mm -hmm. his father was pleased with him. Mm -hmm. He wasn't having to fight for attention. He wasn't having to try to prove himself to win the approval of. Mm-hmm. He just knew to the core of his being who he was and how valued and loved he was by his father. Mm. He just did. And that to me is something I wish I could know that or believe that mm-hmm. all the time because it would change my perspective on a whole bunch of things. Yeah. You know, you and I and David don't have that by nature. It's something that's built into us over time as a spirit, I think, transforms us. And it's a promise to be experienced and lived out and finally concretely experienced in the days to come. And realized, yeah. When God brings that realization of his approval and love and foreverness with us. Mm. Jesus was already there. So I think he was able to make different choices about how he responded than we would based on his very nature, the nature he is going to graciously and progressively give to us and conform us to. Mm -hmm. So I treasure that promise from Jesus that I'm going to be like him. This kind of confession is a good way to get to that point. Beginning that journey. Yeah, yeah. have that confessing spirit that I'm going to say these things out loud, God. I'm going to let you know these things. I'm going to put them in your hands and let you deal with them. Because David's not saying, I'm going to take over and I'm going to hurt these people. I want you to do it, God. (laughs) I don't think that Jesus ever felt or experienced that he was worried that his responses were not going to be the correct ones. I think he knew in his heart of heart they were. But he often said and exemplified for us, this is my prayer, Father, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, Mm -hmm. not my will, your will be done. I don't think it's because they were at odds at all, or he was confused about God's plan. But for us to see, this is the way to approach God to become like that. Mm -hmm. 
He was modeling and mapping for us the way forward. So we would start with, uh, no matter how sure I am about anything, no matter how righteous I feel or indignant I am against injustice or sin or evil in the world, no matter how correct I am at all these things, even then, I still got to put it in God's hands and say, but what do you want? Mm -hmm. Not what I want. Because I want what I want to be what you want. Show me the way to that. Yeah. Well, honey, let's end with verse four. Just it's a celebratory verse. Yeah. I think that would be a great way to end today. But let those who pursue you celebrate and have joy because of you. And let the song of those who love your saving grace never cease. God is great. And good for us. And good to us. Thanks for joining us today on Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word on Psalm 70. We'll be back next week with another Psalm of David. Thanks so much for joining us. As you go, may you rest in Christ. So be, so be released, be blessed, be free. Let the Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Will you help us today? Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.